this morning. His name is Dan Heyer. Uh, Dan started his affiliation with Team World Vision right before his 40th birthday when he signed up to run his first marathon. What started as an item to check off his butt bucket list quickly became a calling. Four years and 11 marathons, an Ironman, and a trip to Africa later, Dan is passionate about making the world a better place through World Vision. Dan has seen firsthand the difference that clean water and child sponsorships can make in the lives of children and their families. A couple uh, personal things about Dan. When Dan is not running, he is leading a running group or speaking uh, for Team World Vision like he's doing today. Dan enjoys traveling, hunting, sports, and spending time with his wife, Kim, and their daughters, who I believe are right over there. Thank you for joining us. Dan is a partner uh, at Mindful Asset Planning, a financial planning firm in Apple Valley that specializes in a comprehensive approach to enhance clients' human assets and impact the world. So, if you would, please give uh, Dan a big round of applause. I'm going to pray for Dan before we go further. Holy God, we are grateful for our brother. We are grateful for all that you have done in his life, all that you have done through his life. We pray, Holy God, that your Holy Spirit would move in him and move in us so that together uh, we might participate more deeply with what you are doing in the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Great. It's nice to be here. Um, I want to also I want to start off by uh, giving you uh, a, a greeting from our home church of Hosanna in Lakeville. Uh, my wife and I have been attending there for uh, quite a few years now, um, and it has been about 18, uh, 18 and a half years since we've actually my wife and I have actually been in this building. Uh, back in the day, Hosanna and Faith would collaborate on the marriage preparation courses, and so we came here to this building. Um, I have to say, I like what you've done with the place. It looks nice. Um, so so thank, you for, for, thank you for having me here. Um, as uh, Pastor Brad has said, uh, we, uh, I have affiliation with, with Team Real Vision, and I've had the distinct privilege of being able to, to meet and see some people. I see people who have been running with us, and so it is nice to see some familiar faces. Uh, one other quick note. Um, I have a wonderful and gracious wife, and I would like you to wish her a happy birthday on the way out of here today. So she, she said yes. The only reason I'm here is because she allowed me to be here. So thank her for uh, thank her for that. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank you to thank the Faith Covenant Team World Vision community for the impact that you guys have made thus far. Uh, you may be familiar with uh, Team World Vision. We raise money for clean water projects in Africa by doing these crazy things like marathons, half marathons, 6Ks, Ironmans. And, uh, and your group, your group over the last number of years, I had to look this up, has raised around $160,000 for clean water projects. Yeah. Nice job. What does that mean? That means that there's about 3,200 kids that actually have access to clean water now that didn't. So congratulations. Not only that, but through the sponsorship element of Team World Vision and sponsorship with this community, there's been like 80 kids that have been sponsored. So that, that is also something that we can clap about. 80 kids. Uh, specifically the impact in, uh, in the Congo. 
Um, there's been uh, the, the work that World Vision is doing in, in collaboration with the ECC is legendary in that world. And so there's been complete transformation in communities um, due to your generosity as well as the, the ECC. So thank you, thank you very much. Um, I'm here to tell you a little bit about, um, about my journey and what Matthew 25 means to me. Um, and so I think what uh, we'll also do before we leave today is I'll be inviting you into a challenge. Inviting you into a challenge that might disrupt your status quo a little bit. And so um, if your heart is beating right now really, really fast, uh, because you remember the last person up here was asking you to run a marathon, I just want you to put your mind at ease. You're not gonna, I'm not going to ask you to run a marathon. But if your heart is racing because of that, that might be the Holy Spirit working in you, meaning that you should talk to me after. Um, so let's, let's start in Matthew 25, um, starting uh, picking up in verse 31. I'm reading from the NLT version. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate them as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones would reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did you ever see the, see the sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will then tell them, I assure you, when you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I assure you, when you did it to the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. I had, um, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to uh, travel to Dallas on business. And as uh, many people do, once they arrive at the airport, they find transportation to their hotel. And these days, the hip thing to do is to you know, take a Lyft or an Uber. You don't take the taxis anymore. Um, so I, I picked up a, a Lyft to get to my hotel. And uh, it depends on the mood I'm in, whether or not I want to engage in conversation with the driver. Um, and that day I did. Uh, I ended up meeting Clayton. And uh, come to find out, Clayton wasn't from those parts. He's actually from Nigeria. And so... When I, when I meet people who are from Africa, I always like to strike up conversations because I've been there, I've experienced Uganda and Kenya, and I wanted to know what it was like in Nigeria. And so we had this nice conversation, and Clayton was telling us about how he and his family had lived in the northern part of Nigeria. And, and due to violence and intolerance around religious freedoms, he and his family fled to the south. They had to leave things behind. He had a prominent career in, in Nigeria, and he eventually found himself coming to the United States for a better life. 
And so one of the things that he shared with me, because I always ask about, like, well, what about the water? Like, what's the situation there? And so, so Clayton t- shared with me that they're very fortunate in Nigeria and that they do have access to water. Most homes have boreholes or like the pump you might see at the regional park. They have access to get water not too far from their home. But what he did share with me is he said, we are fortunate that way, but the wealthy, those that have more abundance, have the ability of getting clean water that is actually sustainable where we won't have to worry about getting sick. So you had to have money to drill the hole deeper to get the clean, good water. I also asked Clayton, I said, Clayton, now that you've experienced Nigeria, now that you've experienced the United States, can you tell me a little bit about the differences? What is it that you see? And what he said, I will never forget. He didn't take very long for him to respond. He said, in Nigeria, we focus on everyone else first, and then we focus on on ourselves. We focus on our, our friends and our family first before we focus on the needs of ourselves. He said, when, when I came here, people focus on themselves first and then, then they help others. Focus on themselves first and then they are focusing on others. I had to let that sink in a little bit. That was his perception. But I couldn't necessarily disagree with him. Heck, I could even relate to that a little bit. So I asked myself, how did, how did we get here? How did we get to that point? He also, he also said that among his peers, the community of Nigerians that were there, he also shared something else that was interesting. He said, we have those that are here. We still focus on everyone else. We fo- he focuses on everyone else by sending money back home He's hopeful that his wife and his child will be able to join him someday. But he's like, you know, there are some who come and they start focusing on themselves and less on others. They become acclimated to our culture. He didn't seem to like that. Um, and so I just, I just thought about that and I thought, well, geez, this, this is Matthew 25. Is it not helping the least of these, helping others? That is their culture. So how did we get here? Have our hearts been blinded by our culture? Have our hearts been blinded on self-focus? Although we have our own challenges in our own communities, I think as long as we have our basic needs met, we are blessed, are we not? That was one other thing that Clayton said. I said, well, you know, can you describe wealth for me in in Nigeria? And he's like, Dan, wealth has nothing to do with money. Has nothing to do with money. Has everything to do with relationships. With having provision for yourself. I was thinking about that as Pastor Brad was talking about what is enough. There's been studies that have said that no matter if you have $2,000, $200,000, we sometimes think that we don't have enough. So how do you define what enough is? But I think that within our abundance, we are blinded and we have a difficult time relating to our brothers and sisters around the world that face challenges on a daily basis. We have a difficult time understanding the struggle that people have of getting essential water. Difficult to understand the walk that people have to make, typically women and children in Africa, to gather water. Just about four miles 
round trip. Difficult to understand how a parent who sends their child out on that dangerous route chooses to have their kids drink that water when they know it's going to get them sick. When they know that if they're under the age of five, half of the kids will actually die from waterborne illnesses. It's difficult to, it's difficult to relate. It's difficult to relate to the famine that is ex- being experienced in eastern Africa. It's difficult to, ex- to, to relate to not having food. It's difficult to relate to choosing, in Haiti, choosing to feed your kids little dirt mud pies. Because that's all you have to just at least stave off the hunger pains that the kids experience. It's difficult to relate to parents who have to choose which day of the week which kids get to eat. It's a reality. It's, completely, it's a completely different world than what we're in right now, is it not? How can we relate to these communities? In chapter, uh, Matthew 25, Jesus instructs us to help the least of these. But how, how easy is it to help the least of these? How easy is it to disrupt your life and your routine to help the person that's on the side of the road? Somebody that's asking for a handout. Somebody that needs help. It, it disrupts our routine. It disrupts our status quo. It disrupts our comfort zone. Disruption is defined as a disturbance or problem which interrupts an event, activity, or process. So we're going to talk a little bit about disruption today. Disruption happens in all sorts of life. Everyone can have their own disruption, their personal disruption story. Uh, there's a few examples in business. In business, disruption sometimes is considered innovation, something that uh, betters our life. It, it, it challenges the status quo. One of the, the, the real exa- common example is the automobile. hundred years ago, Henry Ford invented the automobile. Was that a disruption in how we live today? Now, disruption can sometimes have a negative connotation. It can be perceived as bad. Was the, was the automobile good or bad? Depends on who you ask. What if you were in the carriage buggy business? Was that good? What about the whips that they used to whip the horses? To make them, no. There's disruption. There's good and bad in, in, in disruption. And so what I hope to focus on is a little bit of the good that can happen in some disruption. Um, Polaroid is another example of business innovation. They developed film and technology, and they'd have uh, these cameras that you could print off this picture, and you'd have a picture within a few minutes. A little bit slower than what we have today, but Polaroid was disrupted. Polaroid had a difficult time acclimating to disruption. Uh, there's thing, these things called digital cameras these days. And they didn't quite follow and understand how people didn't want to print all their pictures out any longer and put them in these big, fat albums that take up space. They were disrupted. We, we now like to have digital slideshows and everything's on our phone. And so Polaroid is disrupted to the point where they're, they're really not relevant any longer. What about how we buy things? Has that been disrupted? What about the video industry? Blockbuster was a company. I'm sorry. 
Blockbuster was a company. Thank you. Uh, first off, who here under the age of 15 knows what Blockbuster really is? <laughs> All right. You're under 15. All right. <laughs> Blockbuster was this store that you go and you get these VHS tapes and you'd bring them home and you'd watch movies. And if you didn't have the VCR, you could actually rent a video machine, a, a VCR to take home with you. They innovated to DVDs. But that's as far as they went. There's actually one blockbuster store still left in the United States. It's in Alaska. <laughs> blockbuster was disrupted. Netflix came along. They started doing this mail order DVD. And then they, they evolved, Netflix evolved into the online streaming, which is what we see quite a bit today. What about how, how, you, uh, how you get places? The Lyft, the Uber. The taxi, the business, that transportation has been disrupted as we know it. We now have more firepower, more knowledge in your phone to, get, to, know, to know where to get to where we're going. We don't have to rely on the knowledge of the driver any longer. Disruption. For, for parents, there's a big disruption, personal disruption that happens in our lives in the anticipation of our first child. I see lots of little ones around here. It's beautiful to see that. But is that not a disruption? Disruption that you either find yourself in on purpose or maybe not, not purposeful, but you find yourself in, in a disruption and you have time to prepare for that disruption. And what do we do when we prepare for the birth of a child? We're painting the room. We're painting the nursery. We're getting the crib. We're getting all the stuff. There's clothes and things that you are preparing for in joyful anticipation of this event. That's a disruption. I think as a parent who, you know, we have beautiful daughters, Ellie and Grace, um, but it's kind of hard to think about life before that disruption. And I think some people who aren't quite parents, they have a difficult time appreciating that disruption. But as I said, disruptions can be good and can be bad, and it's what you do with them. For us, our disruption, our personal disruption, we were expecting our first child in 2003. And as we go to the hospital, we're anticipating this wonderful child. We're expecting our son, Luke. And our disruption changed within hours. Luke fast-tracks it that day to the arms of Jesus. He's with our Heavenly Father. Something that we never would have anticipated. A disruption that completely threw our lives off a different track. I call it an alternate path. But it was a disruption. Now, was it good or was it bad? It's both. This disruption taught me to want to be disrupt on purpose. I seek out disruption now. Why do I seek out disruption? I seek out disruption to shake up the status quo. There's been some wonderful things that have happened since, since he arrived and left us. Well, while we left the hospital that day in empty arms and there was no baby, baby on board sign, the legacy that Luke has left on our lives is indescribable. I find that if I can disrupt my life, I've learned that I need to disrupt my life because when I disrupt my life on purpose for the benefit of others, 
that impact is credited back to that original disruption in 2003. So how has that played out in my life? Well, I, as Pastor Brad said, we, uh, I chose to, to run my first marathon. It was a one-and-done thing. I wasn't going to do anything again. But then I found myself, through the running, it was a way to work out some unresolved grief. And I found that if I continued to disrupt myself by doing things, it just helped to shake up, shake up my life a bit. There's a lot of spice that can happen in life, a lot of color that can happen in life, if you're looking for it in those disruptions. I was invited. Um, I was invited to go to Africa in 2017. That was a disruption. It was a disruption that I probably would have never taken had I not experienced this first disruption with Luke. Luke is the reason why I went there. And what did I experience? I experienced a lot. I got to, I got to meet the people that were being impacted through the clean water projects that were being built based on what we were raising from, with Team World Vision. I got to meet sponsored children. I got to meet people that were being impacted in a variety of ways. Most people don't understand how the impact, what the impact is that's being made. It's being made through education, healthcare and immunizations, basic, basic healthcare. It's, it's digging latrines and having sanitation practices so that that you're not getting sick from, even if you have clean water, clean water has to be paired with sanitation and hygiene. It's food sources. Having food sources, safe food sources, and proper nutrition. It's also microenterprise. Helping others to create little businesses so that they can provide for themselves. This is the disruption that helped to change my life. I got to experience a little bit of their lives. I got to walk alongside our brothers and sisters in Uganda when we walked, we did the water walk. I got to walk along our brothers and sisters in Uganda and get a chance to meet Power, our sponsor child. I got to meet his, his dad, Godfrey, and his mom, Jocelyn. I got to see the mud hut that he slept in, the floor, the ground. He sleeps on the ground. But they had a, they had a beautiful little compound. Mandy was there with me. We got to see that. That was awesome. I got to experience a little bit of what it was like for the least of these. And I truly believe, I truly believe that if everybody here has the opportunity to experience that a little bit, that this world would be a different place. That we would be more like those in Nigeria where we would focus on others first and then ourselves. I'm an experiential learner. I have to feel things. I have to do things in order for me to really get it. Like the first time I ran a marathon and people said, well, you just, here's what you have to do. I was like, well, I can't believe it until I actually do it. And then you do it, you're like, oh, that's a lot of work. But once I, once I got over it, once I got over doing that first marathon, I knew what it take, took. The next one wasn't as bad. And then the next one, now it's, now it's getting out of hand. <laughs> but once I experienced that, I could do it again and do it more often. And I, I think that, that we, as humans, have to experience things to feel things. 
We're given all of the head knowledge. I mean, we know that you're not supposed to smoke. You know you're supposed to eat good things. You can Google all this stuff, but why don't we do it? Well, we're, we just, it's behavior. How can we disrupt our behavior to experience those things so that we can change our lives so that we can ex- experience the joy that God has for us on the other side of what might be holding us back? God's given us direction in the Bible. You can read it cover to cover. But it isn't sometimes until you actually put it into motion and to experience it that it becomes real for you. What we, what we essentially are doing in this process is we're taking that head knowledge, taking what we're, we know we're supposed to do, by, by experiencing it, we're bringing it down here to our heart. As parents, we like, like our kids to thrive. We like our kids to experience the joys in life. We like our kids to grow while, while they're in our home so that, that we can launch them into our society. And sometimes fear holds them up. They have to experience some of those joys. Um, for instance, well, some of them aren't so joyful. How many parents here have told their kids not to touch the hot burner? How many times do you tell them? Lots. How many times does it take for them to experience it to know that they're not supposed to do that? Once. Head knowledge, experience. As a father, we like our kids to experience more things. Um, my, my beautiful daughters are here. She doesn't know that I'm going to point her out today. But when our girls were younger, we were at the pool. And they were old enough where they could go down the water slide. And I wanted them to go down the water slide because I really enjoyed it. And I would show them how I could go really fast and splash in the water. But it, that scared, it scared the heck out of them. But I wanted them to experience it because I knew how fun it would be. I knew that they would enjoy it. So as a parent, what do you do in order to have them experience that? Well, it's called ice cream. <laughs> ice cream, okay, that's sweetening the deal. If they would just go down the water slide just once, we'll go get some ice cream. What do you think happened? She went down. Ellie went down. She did. And there was joy. And there was excitement. And there was the desire to want more of that. And the ice cream, of course. I think, I think God's given us direction in the Bible for us to go do things that we can experience greater joy in life. And we have to just work through that fear. We have to push through that fear so that we can experience those joys, just like Ellie did years ago. If we can just experience this a little bit, I believe that the blessings that God has for us are on the other side of fear and discomfort. Clayton described this phenomenon that he witnessed when his peers from Nigeria became comfortable and acclimated to the abundance that we experience in our culture. And my question for you is, how can we disrupt that? How can we disrupt our spiritual status quo to feel more compassion and help us to take and help the least of these like we're, that are described in Matthew 25. I believe at times it isn't until we put some of these things into action until they really become real. And so how can we disrupt ourselves spiritually? Well, it's the Matthew 25 challenge. Matthew 25 challenge, I'm going to ask you in a little bit just to, to sign into this. 
But at first, I want you to pay attention to the screens and watch this video. Then the king would say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous would answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The Matthew 25 challenge was a transformational moment for my family and I. There's one particular day when the challenge was to sleep on the floor. And I walked by my daughter's room, and she was already there on her sleeping bag, reading her Bible. The Matthew 25 challenge was an incredibly spiritual experience for me personally. God was teaching us different things every day, and sharing it with each other was really exciting. Well, when it came to the Water Day Challenge, three words come to mind. Caffeine, withdrawal, headaches. Going without coffee all day was a lot harder than I thought. I'd get these headaches, but every time I did, it would remind me of the six-kilometer walk that women and children have to do to get unclean water. My first thought was, this will be easy. I grew up missing meals and sleeping on the floor, but my daughters, not so much. They were challenged to come out of their Wi-Fi life and actually experience what kids around the world experience every single day. When I, when I hear someone who's going to be a first-time marathoner, I ask them if they know Jesus. And if they don't, I, I tell them, you'll meet him at mile 20. <laughs> Through that experience, my hope and my prayer today for you is that you will experience what the least of these experiences through this challenge and so what we'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to take your cell phones out. Yes, you can take your cell phones out in church. It sounds like you guys have done this on occasion, so it's not completely foreign. Take your cell phones out. Turn them on. Yes, girls, you can take your cell phones out in church. And this, this text challenge, you're going to have stuff that's going to be delivered to you on a daily basis. Devotions, videos, this challenge, and it's going to help to change your heart. What I'd, what I'd like, you to, like you to do is I'd like you to experience this. It's experience a little bit of hunger. You're going to grow in hunger. You're going to grow in just drinking water. But you should more importantly do this in community and do this together. This is an opportunity for you to invite your small group to do it, and then you can share your experience Invite your friends, your family. Invite those who may not be churchgoers into this experience. 
and, and post your experience and share your experience on social media. Let others see what it is that you're doing and you could be a reflection of, of change in their lives. So as you have your phones right now, uh, what I'd like you to do, actually, the ushers can come forward and, and hand out um, the Matthew 25 challenge cards. And, and just to give you a little description of what, what's on here. So on Monday, um, so it, you, can, you can, yeah, on Monday you're going to, you're going to miss lunch. Just one meal. Just one meal. But missing that one meal, you're going to definitely feel it. So reflect on that. Gather your thoughts. Tuesday, it says, drink only water. That doesn't mean that you have to not eat at all. You eat, but you just drink water. Not to get confused. So, no coffee, no pop, no other things. Just water on Tuesday. Wednesday night, sleeping on the floor. Like power did in, like power does every single night. On Thursday, wear the same clothes you wore yesterday. Now, for some of you, that isn't so much of a challenge. (laughs) But for others, it is. And then on Friday, putting some of this into motion, reaching out to somebody who might be going through a a difficult situation, experiencing a little bit, putting your faith into motion. For those who are smart enough to not have a smartphone and prefer not to have... Uh, this text challenge, raise your hand because we have a manual version of this. So raise your hand. There's one back here. Raise your hand and you can get a manual version of this. So right now, when you, when you get your phones out, you're going to, in, in the phone number section, you're going to type 44888 as if it's the phone number. 44888 as if that's the phone number. And then in the message portion, you're going to put the letter M and 25. And you send that off. What you should get soon after is a response that says, what, what's your start date? And you should choose A. A is going to be a start date of tomorrow. So you'll get the Monday challenge tomorrow. So select the letter A. And then it will also ask for your zip code. Put your zip code in there. And then you'll be all set. You'll be queued up. You'll get the, take, the, take the card with you. Um, and, and so my, my prayer for you and for everyone is that there will be some transformation that you won't experience, that you wouldn't normally experience, that there's going to be a little bit of a disruption in your life, the good version of the disruption. But be prepared for it to break your heart. Be prepared for that. Life change will happen. More importantly, be here next week. Be here next week for the celebration of, and, and we're going to be able to share some of the experiences that you've had and what it's done to you in your life and how it's disrupted your life and your status quo. In closing, I just pray that each of you will have a moment this week where your hearts are broken for the poor and you can experience and feel in a little bit of what the least of these experience so that you could have a story that we'll be able to share sometime in the future. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you, honey. Well, the gauntlet has been put down. Uh, I pray that you are going to experience disrupt, disrupt, disruption. 
that uh, draws you closer to an experience of the living God in the least of these this week. I look forward to what we're going to be a part of next week. Uh, before we go today, we're going to have people down front here who would love to pray for you. If you have something on your heart that you would like prayer for, uh, a reminder, while you are going to be challenged throughout the week, we do have a gift for you. Next Sunday, you get an extra hour of sleep because it's daylight savings time. So uh, there is that. Uh, Jill and I will be out at the welcome table. We'd love to meet you if you're new to Faith Covenant Church. And I would like to close us with this uh, charge. So would you please stand with me? So now, go. Go, and as you have been fed, go feed. As you have been set free, go set free. As you have been received, now give. As you have heard, now proclaim. And may the blessing which you have received from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Go in the peace of Christ and be a bearer of that peace to the people you encounter. Have a great week.